Lights up on a park bench. Lights up on a deck. Lights, 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 lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. A podcast by the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga. Hi, Christy. Hello, Dana. How are you today? I'm actually really great today. We've got some beautiful weather in New York City today, which is a nice little respite from it's been like insufferably hot. So oh. today was a really pretty day. Yeah. Nice. I'm a little jealous. We stormed what seemed like all night long. So today is so humid. You know, yes. what is it? The devil's armpit. It's pretty accurate for outside. Oh. You're welcome. Yeah. Visual. yeah. No, thank you. But you know, I grew up, I grew up in South Florida, so I am no stranger to humidity. Oh. So I know exactly what you are referring to. It's, it's not that, you know, lovely West coast post rain, beautiful, like, you know, coolness, crispness. It just it's sits not. around. Yes. Yeah. So do you find the, the heat in New York to be drastically different than what you're acclimated to from Florida? Yeah, I find it. I always, people laugh at me because I'm from like South Florida, like just North of Miami. And people laugh at me because I think the summers are way worse in New York (gasps) than they are in Florida because in Florida, you're spoiled. You can have your, you can be in your house with your central AC or, and like walk out to your backyard. Most of them have pools, cool off. And then you go into your car, which has AC, and then go to the mall or the grocery store, which has AC. Whereas in New York City, you're not guaranteed central air in anybody's apartment, including my own. And to get oh anywhere, yeah, to get well, anywhere, that's to, fun. right? You have to walk at least five blocks to get on the train to go underground and stand underground and wait to get on the subway, which may or may not be air conditioned, depending on the car you get into. So it's just kind of like a little more insufferable, in my opinion. Uh, it sounds like it. How is everyone in New York not just naked during the summer? I or mean, is everyone in New York naked during the summer? I mean, we have a wide variety of people who are very bold and confident and or some might call a little closer to the uninhibited, maybe crazy spectrum. So some people are naked during the summer, late summer into fall. So sometimes that does happen. Um, but yeah, not like it's, it's, and I was thinking about, oh, how on the West coast and you've lived in California before, right? Yes. I'm born yeah. in So so yeah, I was thinking about like post rain and I know our, our playwright today is from California and I was she like, is. he brought up the rain and I was like, oh my gosh, there, you can have a beautiful rainstorm. And then it's like cool, crisp kind of like and that we don't get that here. We don't get that on the East coast at all. It's That's just gross. So I know it's, <laughs> it's one of the things I do miss about Southern California, um, especially like San Diego area, like weather to me there is perfect. Like it's perfect. Like stick a fork in it. It's done. Like everyone moved to San Diego because it's perfect as far as weather goes, but yes, rain out here. We don't do it right. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what happens out here, but it's just, yeah. Who do we talk to about that? Who do we, (laughs) we need to, we need to figure something like that. Um, but we can go ahead and dive into a little bit of our playwright today. Yeah. Um, We'll have to talk to Mark and find out, um, how much he loves the weather there. And, and, uh, when we talk to him later today, Find yes. out who controls the rain in California. Let him know we're something crazy. We can do about that. Jealous. <laughs> he needs to send some goodness our way. <laughs> yes. So reading, we're uh, today we're talking about a piece called The Rental. And if you are just joining us for the very first time, my name is Christy Tipton. I am with the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga. Uh, we are located in Tennessee. And um, 
co-hosting this with me is the fantastic Dana. Hi, yes. I'm Dana Cole Giovanni. As we established, I'm in Actually, today is beautiful New York, so some days it is insufferable. And um, I've been fortunate enough to be a performer with ETC uh, since its first season. And I'm just happy you guys let me hang around and co-host this with you. So oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, so, so grateful to have you, honestly. Um, so today we're actually diving into a piece called The Rental. We performed this in 2012 uh, during a festival that we used to do annually called Short Attention Span. And each season would uh we would do a different theme for that festival and so in 2012 that theme was speed dating and um so the rental ties in perfectly with what you just sort of expect with the concept of speed dating it it's nicely paced it has just a fun dynamic um so i'd love to hear what you what you enjoyed about it miss dana when you gave it a first a first read through yeah when we when we got to read through some of these um, submissions in different plays we were considering to do for the podcast this jumped out i think when we were discussing our options i think this was at the like the top of my list so we were like what about the rental and i was like love it want it like this was a i had to have it had to include for me because i read it and it made me smile. It, it was, it was light. It was, you know, a little bit of comedy that I think we are so craving in 2020. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to be happy. I want it to be fun. And I also, as, as a single lady and I'm very happily single, um, I'm pretty darn independent and, and, and happy about it, but I have done my fair share of dating in New York city and it is, not easy. I don't think dating is easy anywhere, but it seems to be much like the heat, even worse in New York City. Um, so reading this, it would be fascinating this, to see if there's a correlation between weather <laughs> and dating climate. But anyway, continue. Oh my god, yes. Places that don't do heat well are also terrible for dating. Let's do a scientific study. Anybody out there <laughs> want to do that? We have any like sociologists, humanitarians out there? Um, but yes. Yeah, so reading this. As a, a single woman who has been in and out of the dating scene for the past five or so years, um, I loved this because it wasn't the typical rom-com take on a relationship. I don't want to spoil too much. Um, but yes, you said it's it's in there with the speed dating. It's funny. It's fast. It's light. But it was also slightly unexpected. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't... You're not going to get the man saving the woman. Yes. And it's not a super predictable piece necessarily. Um, I mean, it's not like, you know, hopefully you know what I mean when I say not super predictable. It's not trite. It's so delightful. It it was such a breath of fresh air. Um, It's, I love that we included it with our podcast because when we first did it, it was like, yes, something, something that's kind of fresh and new and funny. And you, you just nailed it when you said it's just light. It's just good. It's just good, good fun. Yeah, I so I hope as you're preparing to listen to this today, um, you're just ready for some fun, light love kind of quirkiness. And I, I think when you say it's unexpected, it doesn't follow a rom-com relationship form. It's the story that I feel like in America, we we kind of tell over and over again, especially a woman in her early to mid thirties might be thinking yes. her life is quote unquote over and she needs to be with a partner and and this kind of, busts away from that form a little bit. So I'm, I've only read it. You, like you said, you've seen it before you, you guys, um, 
did that in one of your festivals. I've only read it. I'm super excited to hear it. And I'm especially excited to hear this one because I am friends with one of our actors this week. Awesome. Oh, yes. Yes. My dear friend, Scott Harrison is going to be reading one of the characters. And I have met, I met Scott. We became friends just by being in holding rooms in New York City, audition holding rooms over and over again. We kept seeing each other over and over again and we became really good friends. And I'm so excited to hear him perform, especially in this this piece that um, that I was so excited to read. So I'm excited to hear him do it. And he's reading with uh, Marsha Parks, I believe. Yes, so Marsha, um, the first time I met Marsha, she actually staged managed for um, our 2013 production of The Pillow Man which hmm. is one of my all-time favorite scripts and not a light show though <laughs> not a light show I tend to gravitate towards the gritty mm-hmm. <laughs> darkness yep. um but just a stellar lady uh, she and I performed together in the Tempest um God bless America I want to say that was 2014 and she has just been a keeper in my in my book um since I've known her but I think the energy and uh, her style for the rental, I think is a perfect match. So I'm excited to hear her read this. I really am. So we have two actors we love and we a script do. that we love in a play about love. I I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, shut up, I can't take it. All right, uh, let's listen. All right, let's give a listen. Lights up. Sonia's apartment, early morning. There's a knock at the door. Sonia staggers out, half awake, tying on a robe. At her door is Harold, a thirtyish, normal-looking man in a nice coat. He carries a bouquet of flowers and a clipboard and a picnic basket. Through the door, Harold says, Hello, Sonia. It's Harold. Who? Harold. Valerie sent me. Valerie Persky? Valerie? She opens the door a little. She gapes at all the stuff he has. Oh my god, what did she do? Happy birthday from Valerie Persky. I'm Harold, your boyfriend. Oh, uh, what? Let me get this stuff in the fridge. Honey, did I wake you? I did. I am so sorry. Sit down, relax. I'll be right back. Is this the kitchen? Great. He exits to the kitchen. Sonia grabs a baseball bat. Excuse me. Excuse me. Hello. Who are you? I'm Harold. Harold, your boyfriend. My boyfriend. Yeah, you know, for your birth. Ah! Don't shoot! It's a baseball bat. All right. Don't hit. I'm pretty sure I remember having a boyfriend. From Valerie. I'm from your friend Valerie. Uh, wait, wait. I come with a card. He holds out a standard enclosure card, which she grabs and opens. Well... This is her handwriting. Sonia, what do you get for the girl who deserves everything? Well, you deserve a really great boyfriend, so I got you one for today at least. Don't wear him out. Ha ha. Happy 30th. Love, Valerie. You gotta be kidding. You had no idea I was coming. Okay. Okay, this happens occasionally. (laughs) Once they sent me to the wrong house, I thought I was going to have to date an 80-year-old guy named Lou. They? They, Who's they? What is this? Wait, I'm your birthday present. 
from Rent a Boyfriend Limited. Apparently, I'm a surprise birthday present. Rent a Boyfriend Limited? I can explain if you promise not to shatter my skull. Thank you. Rent-A-Boyfriend Limited has been providing the finest in temporary romantic relationships to the discriminating woman since 1985. I've been rented to you for our 16-hour affair decor package. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It's one of our most popular ones. I'm going to kill Valerie for this. Listen, this is a generous gift. And I can promise you a relationship that, though brief, will create a burning romantic memory that will shine in your heart to the end of your days. <laughs> they make me say that. <laughs> so, you're a, a gigolo. No, no, no. A professional boyfriend. It's a specialized craft. There's six months of training, three months of supervised infatuation, Valerie rented me a boyfriend. It's a very thoughtful present. She told me that, um, that you've had a lot of disappointments in this area. Well, Sonia, you're about to have the most fantastically romantic day of your life. This is crazy. Is it? Sonia... Today, you have someone who cherishes you the way you should be cherished. Who adores the way you curl your fingers in your hair. <laughs> the way you move across a room. <laughs> the way you hold a baseball bat. <laughs> someone who lives and, and breathes and dies upon the merest glance of your cobalt blue eyes. And all you have to say is, yes, I deserve this. Yes, at long last. Yes. Yes. Sign here. I don't believe I'm doing this, but you know what? I do deserve it. Of course you do. And initial here and here. After all the creeps, the bad dates, the blind dates, the personal ads, the... Mm. Mm. Yes. Thank God we got that over with. Finally, I can hold you in my arms. Hello, sweetheart. Happy birthday. Whoa, okay, we've started, right? Right. Your boyfriend has come to whisk you away on a fun-filled birthday celebration. I've got a picnic here I think you'll like. Salami and egg sandwiches, Chinese noodles and sesame oil, chocolate raspberry mousse cake. How do you know what my favorite foods are? Valerie told me. But remember, I'm your boyfriend. I know all about you. You like Louis Prima records and old Dick Van Dyke reruns. Your books are in strict alphabetical order. You never wear beige. You live in constant fear you've left your purse somewhere. My God. But Valerie never told me that you wake up first thing in the morning looking breathtakingly gorgeous. I thought that only happened in the movies. What? God, I must look like hell. You're stunning. Look at you. Your eyes are... Wait, wait. This is a little much for me right now. Okay, I... 
I don't like to be cherished before my first cup of coffee. He takes out a travel cup of coffee and hands it to her. Ah, I brought you some. Dark Roast Kenyan, your favorite. Of course. I don't believe this. Sonia, my dear, this is just the beginning. She sits stunned on the sofa, sipping on coffee. Harold starts to massage her feet. Sonia protests, then with an I give up wave, lets him. First, I make you breakfast. Then it's off to Lavender Springs Spa, where you can get a mud bath and a massage while I see how many sonnets I can compose about you. Then our picnic lunch in a secluded grove. Uh-huh. A drive along the coast. Sailing in the bay. Yeah, sure. Our reservations at La Capula for 7.30. And afterwards, a horse-drawn carriage takes us to... He produces two tickets from his pocket. The Eric Clapton concert? Oh my god, I love you! (laughs) She throws her arms around him, then realizes what she's doing. I'm sorry. I mean, wow, you are good. Are you sure you're just here for one day? It'll be a day to remember. I... I gotta get dressed. Would you excuse me for a minute? Don't go anywhere. Of course. I'll be right back. Oh my god! Oh my god! She exits. He produces a dustbuster-type sweeper and begins to casually clean. So, um, Harold, do you do this often? I mean... How many, uh, girlfriends do you... Sonia, right now there are no other women for me. I've never met anyone like you. Oh my god. (laughs) She hops in, half-dressed, putting on shoes. Well, I've certainly never met anyone like... What the hell are you doing? Dusting. Don't! Don't do that! Just sit... Stay. You win. You are officially the best boyfriend I have ever had. Or will ever have. She exits. He appears a little concerned over this last remark. Really? Are you kidding? Gold medal. Boyfriend Olympics. One day sprint. I was a little worried. We got off to a kind of weird start there. What with you swinging a baseball bat at me. Sonia re-enters, fully dressed. You've been my boyfriend ten minutes already? We're reminiscing? Anyway, I didn't swing it. I brandished it. In a threatening manner. How do you brandish in a non-threatening manner? All I'm saying is, is we started off on the wrong... What the hell did you expect? A strange man comes bursting through my door, kisses me... You kissed me. You're lucky I didn't bash your brains in. We're having our first fight. Oh, honey. He hugs her. I'm not sure I'm ready for this kind of relationship. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Let's forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. We we let it go too long. She leans back (laughs) and relaxes into his arms. I have to admit, this is nice. You know, this is all I wanted, just to be in someone's embrace. Is this too much to ask? 
Absolutely not. You know what? I want to walk down the street swinging our arms like we're 15. Okay. I want to sit at a restaurant and stare into each other's eyes and completely annoy everyone else. You got it. I can't wait to show up at yoga tomorrow. You'll drop me off with a quick kiss and then watch as I... You're not going to be here tomorrow. Forget about tomorrow. It's just kind of hard. Here I am in your arms and then you just leave? It's not fair. This is all I get? One really romantic day for the rest of my life? The nice thing about this kind of relationship is you know when... Sonia, are you... No, don't cry. Oh, God. I'm okay. No, crying's bad. There's not supposed to be any crying. Oh, I cry all the time. He grabs a tissue and starts to dry her tears himself. I'm okay. He hands her tissues, and then more tissues until she has way too many. He places them on her, floats them at her, etc. (laughs) Much better. You know, I just discovered something. I can't stand to see you cry. Carol, you're very sweet, you know. Sonia, there's there's something else. Mm -hmm. I love you. What? I love you. Can't you see it in my eyes? Um, not at the moment, no. Uh, yeah, now I can. (laughs) Got it. You can't be serious. You don't believe in love at first sight? Do you mean it? Or is this part of the package? I'm your boyfriend. I really love you. How can you love me? How could I not? You're warm, funny, smart. Stop. Stop. Look, I don't know if you're crazy or I am, but this is... Don't you deserve to be loved? Of course I do. Everyone does, but this... You just... I mean, you don't really love me. You're doing this because... Valerie paid you. We have today because someone paid for it, sure. But I do really love you. I love you, Sonia. She stares at him. They move in closer. They almost kiss, but... Wait a minute. As presents go, this beats a basket of bath gels. But don't come in here telling me you love me. But I do. Well, that's just swell. Where were you when I needed you? Like when my car was stolen or when my grandmother died. I could have used a boyfriend. You weren't there. I had to deal with that alone. Sonia, I... Are are you going to be there tomorrow or the next day when something really good happens? And I want to tell you about it. You going to be there? No, I'm not going to be there. You love me. 
You're just like all the other men. No, I'm not. I'm a trained professional. I mean, yes, I like romance. Yes, picnics are fun. But I want someone who wants to do laundry with me or do absolutely nothing with me. We could do that too. I'm here to give you what you want. What I want is someone who not only knows my favorite coffee, but also my soul. Love me, you haven't even met me. Listen, I thought I'd... You thought you'd give the girl a small thrill for once in her life? I make my own thrills, darling. Hey, we're having our second fight. I'm offering you love. No thanks. Already got some. I've got my whole family. They drive me crazy. But they love me. And my friends, I have great friends. They love me. My God, look what Valerie did for my birthday. I have plenty of love, pal. Do you? Yes, I do. And I sure as hell don't need a Don Juan wannabe. Guess what, Harold? We're breaking up. I'll remember the 10 minutes we had with great fun. But you know what? This isn't half a couple standing over here, okay? I'm a whole couple, all by myself, with a great family, incredible friends. I even kind of like my job, you know? So if I end up meeting someone, fine. If I don't, also fine. Got it? I don't need you. No, you don't. You better believe I don't. Did you just agree with me? Yeah, I did, because you're right. You don't need me. But if you ever find someone who deserves to love you, I will envy him. Goodbye, Sonia. He exits. There's a slight pause. He returns, slightly embarrassed. This has been a date from Rent-A-Boyfriend Limited. If you've enjoyed our service, please tell a friend. With a curt bow, he exits. Sonia stands stunned for a moment. Hey, I enjoyed your service. Now uh, get back here and make me breakfast. Lights fade. Hey, everybody, it's Gary, the producer for Lights Up, Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga's new podcast for playwrights, performers, and patrons of theater. I wanted to see if you've heard about Anchor. Anchor, the platform that's hosting our podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, well, I am happy to be the first to tell you about it. It is free. F-R-E-E. That's right, free. Um, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer uh, or your phone. And Anchor will distribute the podcast that you create so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you know what else? It doesn't cost you anything, but you can make money from your podcast and you don't even have to have a minimum listenership. That's right. 
It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So do like we did. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R, or anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R.fm to get started and create your podcast. Okay, well, hello and welcome back. We just heard The Rental by Mark Harvey Levine, who is here with us. And we got to uh, hear Scott Harrison read the role of Harold and Marsha Parks read the role of Sonia. And I thought it was just delightful. What about you, Christy? Mark? Oh my gosh, I loved it. So um, I think we talked about this in the intro, but this is a piece that we actually had produced before. But getting to hear it with fresh ears and these wonderful voices that brought to life, I was laughing. I really enjoyed listening to this piece. Yeah, I thought um, that they did a really good job. I do not usually like hearing my own work. Oh, that's, that's Gary was talking about that in in his episode that he sometimes is hesitant to watch or listen to his play, right. So oh, yeah, yeah, watching my play, I usually watch my plays through my fingers. So how long have you been a playwright, Mark? Um, well, I've been writing um, these short plays for like twenty two years now. Wow, what and kind I, of got you started with all of that? Well, I was um, I was in Los Angeles uh, working as an actor. And I got into this really, really great theater company called Theater Geo. And they were known for doing short play festivals, which I really had never thought of before. They did these 10 minute play festivals, which I thought was neat. And um, I wanted to be in it as an actor. And they had this rule that if you wrote the play, you could cast yourself. So I'm no fool. <laughs> so a lot of my early plays like The Rental have sort of a young kind of guy in it. although. Uh, when we actually did finally did the rental of that theater, I cast somebody else. Just a really good looking guy um, auditioned for the part. And I was like, oh yeah, damn it, he's better. Um, <laughs> so how long ago did you actually write the rental? The rental is is one of my first plays. So it was, you know, maybe 20, 21 years ago. Wow. Oh wow. And I, I've had to keep changing the um whatever artist uh, he gets tickets for. Do you remember the original artist in your first um, I think it was, it was either like Mozart or no, um, it was, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think it was Eric Clapton. I mean, not, honestly, I would still be okay with someone getting right, Eric Clapton that's, right, right. that's classic. That doesn't go out of style. Absolutely. <laughs> but I have, yeah, I have, I have some casts write me and say, okay, the 30 year old girl would not, does not know who Eric Clapton is. And, you know. Well, no. I'm going to be 36 next month. Uh, that's right. I put it out there, internet, and I'm telling you that Eric Clapton would be fine by me. So. That's right. I think those would be <laughs> fine tickets to receive. Um, so you said you were out uh, in California as an actor, and you were writing because you wanted to be involved in this 10-minute play festival. So is that where you first saw yourself uh, in the world of theater as an actor? Is that how you got bitten by the theater bug was as an actor and you've transitioned to writing? Yes, yes. I started uh, I started out as an actor and then I, I started writing these 10 minute plays, which started doing really well. In fact, a whole lot better than I was doing as an actor. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, I, I would like send them out and they would get produced by, you know, theaters in, in uh, like Chattanooga, you know, like, oh my gosh, what, a, what an exotic place. Um, <laughs> but I think like, my second production was at the Actors Theater of Louisville, which oh wow, not That's a bad awesome. little theater. I kept writing these ten-minute plays, and um, I just stopped acting. 
also, you know, I, I had a family, got married, had a family. And... Yeah, that is, it's definitely, um, writing we think of as a little bit more of a, you're a little more on your own independent schedule than sometimes when you are, when you're in a full on production. So, right. uh, speaking of that, we did want to ask you, um, to talk about your writing process. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you know some of our other playwrights that have been featured and will be featured in upcoming episodes of the podcast. So maybe you could talk about, um, though playwriting we think of as a kind of solitary independent uh, avenue of theater, what it's like being a part of a, a playwriting community. Absolutely. Right. Um, well, one of the things I did was, um, I probably do know some of your playwrights. Um, I joined this sort of email group uh, called the Playwright Binge. And uh, it was started by this lovely playwright named Patrick Gabridge. And um, he had this thing where it's like, you need to send your plays out a lot. And you know, when I, when I first started, I was like, I'm sending six plays out a year. I mean, that's great, isn't that wonderful? And um, he's like, no, 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 you have to send out hundreds. And then <laughs> I started submitting more and more and I started getting produced more and more. It was amazing how that, that worked, I mean, um, you know, I was a numbers guy in my day job and I, I graphed my submissions and my productions and it was like the exact same curve. You know, the more I submitted, the more I got produced, which wow. sounds easy, but I mean, it was sort of a revelation. And so um, I, be I joined this group of, of playwrights and we we're all meeting together. And now there's like over a thousand of us in this group. Wow. It's become kind of a force. Um, so what happens is like, you know, a theater will put out a call for plays and we'll post it on a binge and sort of pass it around um, because we, we all share submission opportunities. And the next thing they know, you know, they get 800 plays uh, via email and wow. you know, they, <laughs> we call it getting binged or something. They, they just, <laughs> yeah, you know, they, that's great. They get, they get submitted to death. So a lot of theaters now, it's sort of almost worked against us because now you see a lot of theaters be like, we only want playwrights from Western Buffalo between this street and that street, because you know, they, they have to try to limit their submissions. Oh, wow. They're almost, it's like they're typing the playwrights. You know, they type us actors a lot. It seems like they're trying to type you guys now. Right, right, exactly. Me... I mean, they just, you know, what, what do you do with 800 plays? Um, so um, yeah, a lot of playwright submissions nowadays are just for a certain group, for a certain location, et cetera. But there's still lots of places to submit. And within that group, do you read each other's work a lot? Do you share or is it just kind of you're sharing resources and supporting each other? Yeah, it's mostly marketing this particular group. Um, there are other groups that where we actually read, um, like there's a player named Donna Hoke who does this thing called Trade a Play Tuesday. And so like every Tuesday you can send her a play and she pairs you up with some random playwright and you just read each other's work and give comments. Oh, any playwrights listening are probably going to be emailing us about that. So yeah, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, really, it's really great. It works a little better with, with 10 minute plays like I write because it's a little hard. It's like, you know, um, on a Tuesday to, you know, email your 10 minute play and get back a full length. Um, right. So I think she even has a separate service for full length um, where it's not just like once a week. But um but for those of us who were mainly writing short plays, it was a great little service. In fact, that and, was going to be a question that I asked. And you've mentioned that you write specifically short plays. Is, uh, was there a reason that you decided to stick to that format? Have you thought about doing longer pieces? Well, I, I initially stuck to it because it was fun and I was having a good time. And also I have this like 
terror of boring the audience. I have actually started writing longer things, you know, 30 minute plays, 40 minute, like one X. And I'm very close to finishing the first draft of my first full length in like 30 years. Um, Cause I actually went to college. Now here's just to confuse you. I went to college for playwriting and then stopped. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wrote a full length in college and it was, it was sort of like, you know, the Vietnam of plays. I, I kept sending in rewrites and I kept sending in rewrites and I just couldn't beat the thing. So um, I got disgusted with the whole thing and I stopped and I went back to acting, which was my first love. And then I got into the theater company and then the next thing I knew I was writing plays again. <laughs> well, I have to say that the rental is just wickedly delightful and it has such a great pace to it. It's constantly entertaining. So uh, I do think you have a gift for the short format. I mean, truly, I think so. Well, yeah, when, when Christy and I were reading through the plays that we decided to choose for this this first season of the podcast, the rental, I think it might have been the very first one we mentioned. If not, it was at the top. We were both of us were like, we gotta do this one. We loved it. We just it's it so light so fun. and funny. Yeah. You know, it's that twist on a rom com, which we loved. <laughs> and um and and you can hear, I'm sure everyone can already hear your your dry wit, even your, your your sense of humor, even in these basic kind of questions that we're talking about is coming through. Um, so do you tend to write comedies? I mean, do you clearly like just have that funny bone in your body? Is that what you tend to write? And where did this idea come from? Yeah, well, my, my definitely have been writing mostly comedies. I think those are, to me, it's, it's they're oddly enough easier because you can tell when they work, you know? You, you try it out, you put it in front of an audience. If they laugh, it worked. If they don't, you need to work on it. Um, but I have written a few serious plays. Um, yeah. But I definitely love the comedies better. And I think they work better also in an evening of 10 minute plays. It's very hard to get the audience so involved in 10 minutes that you can make them sad. Although I've seen some wonderful 10 minute dramas written by other people that were just incredible. So it definitely can be done. Well, I thought it would be a funny service that if there was the service where you could just rent a boyfriend. Um, I immediately knew it had to be rent a boyfriend because rent a girlfriend sounds a little too much like nothing uh, else entirely. Yeah, um, good call. <laughs> right. And I just thought, wouldn't it be fun if I could do their entire relationship in 10 minutes? If I could have, you know, from meeting to breaking up in 10 minutes. Um, so that's what I was going for. Um, and it just seemed like a a situation that was ripe for lots of funny stuff and it truly is <laughs> i've fallen in love uh with someone in 10 minutes before so i don't know if they knew it but <laughs> <laughs> it can be done yeah right right um yeah. i i think one thing that i loved about this and christy chime in was yes it is kind of it, right we're not in pretty woman escort territory because we are it with you know rent rent a boyfriend like the gender reversal there um, but it's more than just a funny concept because you, you ask the court, like you kind of have Sonia asking, well, but what about tomorrow? Like, are you going to be there when the big things happen, when the little things happen? So you're, you're asking us to think about what defines love, what defines a relationship, um, in these 10 minutes, but also you have like a funny concept that, uh, on the surface level would be a really successful SNL skit. So um, I, there's the really lovely balance of, of truth and humor in here. Did you have to really finesse that or did were you always going in with that underlying 
um, gravitas, if you will. Well, I've, I've noticed that the way I write is, first I do all the funny jokes. <laughs> the first draft. Okay. And then I go back and go, okay, what's really going on? What's happening here? So I think that was like the second thing I came up with. Like first I had all the jokes and then I thought, well, if they're going to break up, why? What would be, what's really wrong with this? I'm like, what's, what's wrong with it is it's not real. You know, even if, no matter how good he is as, at his job, that's not really what we want in a relationship. You know, you want real, you want, you do want someone to do laundry with you, you know, because that's the good stuff. That's, that's when you know it's really, if, if you enjoy doing that, then you know you're really in love. Gosh, Amen. That's so, that's so true. That's so true. Well, and I really enjoy um, Sonia's character arc. Talk to me a little bit about Harold, because he comes in like he is this professional. And when I say professional, I mean, he knows how to deliver the goods. Some of his lines, and I loved Scott's reading, because I was like, oh, <laughs> you just love him. Um, do you kind of feel that he had, you know, is he just always feeding Sonia these lines? Or do you think he has his own arc as well yeah I wanted there to be a real an arc for him I want him to you know I, I made it ambiguous so that the actors could decide but here's what I want them to decide um I want them I, I really want Harold to actually fall in love with her it's, it's like the moment he realizes he will never ever get her and that's when he falls in love with her he realizes he's not good for her because he falls in love with her and because he suddenly really wants to make her happy I think that's more dramatic and fun yeah, it definitely broke my heart when he laughed. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that was the answer you wanted, right, Christy? You it wanted was. <laughs> Even told Dana, I was like, I have, you know, it's almost like a little fangirl question where it's like, okay, but what at the end? What ha-? you know? So that was a very satisfying answer. And and then some of the stuff I found out just from the first production, I, I was blessed with some really good directors. Like a lot of the, the really good director will find things in my plays that I was not entirely sure I actually put in there. But um, I'm pretty sure it was like a director who said, you know, isn't it, is it more dramatically interesting if he really does love her? And I thought, yes, yes, of course, right. So that's why I wrote the play towards that. Because it is better, it is more interesting than if it's just an act. Well, yeah, now you've given us a lot of really great jokes, but also a little bit of of heartache in 10 minutes so you have achieved some serious even as as long as 25 years ago you achieved some <laughs> seriousness in the midst of all that wit so yeah I was I think that's one of the most charming things about the rental is that there's a really great balance of the two elements right I'm always afraid that my plays will you know get dated but hopefully you know if, if they're both wearing masks you could do this one <laughs> And maybe, you know, he'll take her to a Taylor Swift concert now for the right. naysayers. Yeah, he's, I, I thought about, this one's been produced a lot. And he's taken her to Taylor Swift, to um, I forget who else, but like a bunch of different people. So you said you've written, um, you're on the, in the process of finishing uh, a full length. Uh, is, are there any other projects that you wanted to talk about that you have that are upcoming? Um, well, I'm trying to do like a little... Like I have a, there's one couple um, who actually live together so they can do things together. You know, you, mm-hmm. Now you have to find actors who are actually in a relationship if you want to film something with two people in the same shot now. Right. Um, but they're, um, they want to do a little movie of one of my 10 minute plays. So that's um, fun. Adapting that. And, um, and I just have a few, you know, productions coming up here and there. Oh, there's one production that's really cool going on right now. Um, it's a festival I've been in uh, a, a bunch of times. It's called Asphalt Jungle Shorts. 
and it's up in Canada. And oh. it's this really cool, um, it's what they call environmental theater where the audience goes like on a walking tour of the city and the plays happen like at various locations. And, um, and then, you know, the funny thing is, is like the audience isn't really sure what's a play and what's not. Um, and the, the, the lady who runs it, um, uh, she says sometimes they, they've stopped and watched like two guys getting arrested. And it turns out it wasn't a play. It was just two guys getting arrested. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. That sounds so fascinating. I would love something like that. Right, it was really good. In fact, speaking of getting arrested, um, one of the great, great things that happened in um, one of my plays a few years ago, I wrote a play where um, <clears throat> a lady comes up and uh, starts yelling at a couple in the play. And so, you know, she's doing it. And of course, we, we, what I'd like to do is, you know, hide some of the actors in the audience. So they think they were just two of the audience members running around doing the walking tour. And this lady comes up and starts yelling at them. And as she's doing it, two actual real life Canadian police officers come up behind her you know, because she's going off on these people. <laughs> and there's, and the, like the director and everybody else might do this going, she's going to get arrested. <laughs> and God bless this actress. She did not miss a beat. She turned and glowered at the police officer and kept right on going. Insane. So this current production that is going on, um, do you, uh, is it different playwrights, right? Um, throughout the tour, is it one playwright's arc that goes on throughout that walk? Yeah, no, it's, What's it's that different about? playwrights. It's, it's basically a short play festival, but it's just happening all over the city. Oh, cool. And, she, and do they um, give you a prompt or a theme that everybody has to fit into or? Not really. She just, um, she sort of posts a list of like, here are the possible locations we could be walking past. Um, so you can use it. I, I like, I usually just use, you know, on the street because I know they're gonna be on the street. But one time she did write and say, I just found at a, um, uh, like one of those charity consignment stores, um, hip waiters for $5. I had to buy them. Somebody read a play with hip waiters in them. And I was like, challenge accepted. And <laughs> I wrote a little uh, five minute play about a guy in hip waiters standing in a fountain, which I knew that there was a fountain that they passed. And, um, and it, was, it was really fun. It was lots of fun because, you know, I could actually put an actor standing in a fountain in hip waiters. Um, where else can you do that? Not, not many other places. I'm sure the actor loved it. I had yeah. a directing project when I was an undergrad that I tried to put in one of the fountains on campus and talk about getting arrested. Uh, we were rehearsing once and campus security almost like kicked all of us out because we were, it was, the fountain was dry. It was, it was winter. So it was empty and we were just rehearsing in it and they came over and they got like really angry. And my professor, what happened to be the head of the department case swooped in and saved us but yeah so i'm surprised that your actor didn't get in trouble for being in the fountain because sometimes that causes problems yeah too. i know it was a little uh a little crazy i guess again they're they're a little more um nice up in canada about that stuff. yeah but, <laughs> a little well, more I forgiving story i went to um carnegie Mellon university for theater oh and, wow um we were doing I, it wasn't a play that i wrote but it was just a play we were working on where there was a uh like a mannequin, like a, a dummy in it. Um, and we were, the production closed and we were carrying the props back to the prop warehouse, which was in another building. So he's carrying this dummy in a sack and the arm is sort of dangling out. And I actually wasn't there, but the guy said he turned around and there was the campus police gun drawn pointing at him. 
<laughs> and he was like, it's a dummy. It's a dummy. It's, it's a dummy. dummy. It's just a dummy. Oh, oh my gosh. That would be terrifying. Ooh, thought yeah, he was carrying a body. Theater is dangerous. <laughs> hardcore, man. Theater, that is the title of this episode. Theater is dangerous. People right. that think we're dangerous, it is dangerous. I mean, right. it's like, yeah, now you have to have a mask to do theater. So maybe, right. maybe we are on to something there. And which um, reminds me, getting back to my play. Um, yeah. I was afraid that I had a strange man coming into a woman's apartment, kissing her. And I thought, this could be, um, uh, what was that play where the guy really does come in and he's, he's trying to attack the woman and she stuffs him in a fireplace? Um, it's like extremes. Um, oh, Gary will know this. Gary, I know you know Gary. this. I know. Come on. Come on. Come Extremity. through, Gary. Extremities. Thank you. Extremities. Extremities. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't want this Good to turn to extremities. I didn't want anyone to even think that he had bad intentions or that something horrible is going to happen, which is why I had her come at him with a baseball bat and why I have him be kind of a coward and, you know, say, don't panic and say, don't shoot. Because I really didn't want this play to turn into extremities. Well, I said to Christy and that I really did like that he mentions off the bat that he's highly trained and Christy mentioned she picked up, you know, he's, he comes in as this professional, but she also has to sign off on some paperwork right. and, and it felt like, I was like, okay, so there are some boundaries and there's some consent here, which is great to hear that you had that in there knowing that it was written 20 something years ago. Cause that is something we're still fighting for is boundaries and consent. Yeah. So you were ahead of your time there, right. <laughs> sir. And yeah. In the first draft of this play, I actually had her sign this whole long waiver where she had to initial all this stuff. And it was funny, but it didn't move the play forward. So that was one of those, you know, I had to kill. I have to kill my children, as we say in the theater. Not literally, yes. but yes. <laughs> you have to take the, the jokes you love. If they don't forward the play, you got to get rid of them. But yes, I want, I really, because it's a, a, a romantic comedy, I didn't want it to be any sense of danger, except, you know, him in danger, not her in danger. Because um, that's funny. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's why I have her come at him with a baseball bat. Such a satisfying moment, honestly. <laughs> don't shoot. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't hit. Yeah. yeah. She, brandishing. She was like, I was brandishing it. That's, right. I love that too. It's just such a good word. Isn't brandishing It's a great word. I thought that when I listened to it, I was like, I don't say brandish enough in my everyday life. Exactly. We need to do more brandishing. Absolutely. Uh, yes. And it hits the ears well. And that's maybe a really great transition for where we should go next, um, which is something that we do with all of our playwrights uh, at the end of our interviews is a little getting to know you lightning round. What is your favorite word? There's so many. There's so many really good words. I don't, I don't, uh, I can't even think of like one particular one that's definitely my favorite do you have a least favorite word i want to pass on that because you cannot say what that word is because if you do say that word and it gets out everyone will be saying that word to you for the rest of your life um what is your favorite app um, as unpopular as it w would sound is facebook I, I have marketed my plays on facebook for the last you know 10 years 12 years however long it's been around um what is your favorite or most used emoji <laughs> Um, oh, I guess just the old smiley face. I mean, you can't beat a smiley face. What is your favorite board game? Ah, now, now you're talking. Okay, there's this board game. Um, 
called Mastermind, which I used to love. I haven't played in a million years. Um, it was like a code breaking thing. You would you put out four colors, but hidden, and the other person had to guess them by by making guesses. I loved it. Oh. It, was, it was like this logic puzzle, and it was fun. And um, we got so good at it, me and my friends, that we would sometimes play it without the board. You would just have to think what your guesses was and remember like everything that you were allegedly putting down, um, which really hurt your brain after a while, but it was lots of fun. Okay, here are some either ors for you. Oh. Sweet or savory? I guess if I had to choose, I had to have a sweet tooth, so probably sweet. Window or aisle seat? Oh, uh, definitely the window. Dolphins or koalas? <laughs> I don't know, they both taste really good. But like, <laughs> you get more meat with the dolphin, so I'd probably go with that. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Uh, gosh, I guess I would have to go with milk chocolate. I love dark chocolate. See, now I've pissed off dark chocolate. I'm going to have to apologize. <laughs> summer or winter? Okay, that's easy. Summer. Definitely summer. Your love for mosquitoes, right? Yeah, and snow and, you know, giant balls of ice falling from the sky. Um, okay, name a dessert you don't like. Okay, uh, creme brulee. Um, what is one superpower you wish you had? Ooh, okay. I wish I could turn invisible. I guess it's it's part of being a playwright because then you could just like listen to people and overhear the conversations and all their secrets, which is exactly what you want as a playwright. Mm, a little fly on the wall. What are three things you can't live without? Uh, one is music, cookies. I mean, really, imagine life without cookies. I can't. Uh, right. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, and dogs. Um, if you had a tattoo, what? And where would it be? Or if you have a tattoo, you can tell us about it. Let me see. I guess it would be like some some place that was not obvious. Um, so, you know, up, up on the sleeve. Like, or a snake on my face, either one. Um, Go to the extreme. Right, right. <laughs> Imagine you are stuck on an island and you can only, you can pick one food to eat forever without getting tired of it. What would you pick? Oh my gosh. Okay, now despite my sweet and savory rule, if it was like an actual food, because if you're having dessert all the time on an island, you would probably die. So it would be like steak. I know it's like such a typical man answer, but you know. So what is a book or a play that you think everyone should read? It's actually a group of three plays called The Norman Conquests um, by Alan Akeborn. And it's three full-length plays. One is set in the living room, one's set in the kitchen, and one's set in the backyard, which they call the garden because they're British. Um, and all three plays happen simultaneously. And I don't know how the man did it. He's, he's brilliant. So they, when one person exits from the living room to the kitchen in one play, he makes an entrance from the living room to the kitchen in the other play. And then if he goes from the kitchen to the backyard in the third play, he does at the same exact spot in, in that third play. I mean, it's just insane. So you could literally do all three plays simultaneously in a big house. And I think it's been done. Um, but with all that logistical nightmare, there are actually three really good and funny plays. If your life were a song, what would the title be? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe something like Not There Yet, because I feel like I'm still striving and constantly trying to get better and do bigger and better things. Um, if you could master one instrument, what would it be? Ooh, um, no, I've, I tried to master the guitar. So I, I would say the guitar. That's a good, good one. one. If you could live anywhere else, where would you live? Uh, let's see. Well, 
Italy is lovely. What is your favorite way to rest or decompress? Um, listening to music, definitely. Um, um, if you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be? Let me see. <laughs> I think it would be me at eight years old. I would take over that grade school. What's inspiring you in your life right now? Just sort of like the time of your life. It, it sort of informs, as they say, the place you write. What's the best piece of advice you've received? Write so that the actors will have fun doing the part. That's so sweet. I love that. And that's true. You know, we want, we want all want to be able to enjoy our job at the end of the day. So that's great. Right. Um, what would you like to be remembered for? I guess my plays. I remember my plays and, you know, just for being a good person. Our very last question we like to ask everybody is describe yourself in a hashtag. <laughs> Oh my God. Hashtag comedy writer, hashtag playwright, hashtag comedy playwright. How's that? I love it. It's, it's perfect. It's exactly what you are. <laughs> so this week we had a hard time picking a winner for Propped, but ultimately we all loved Stripper Glitter by Ray McCallum. And we will have Christy reading the role of Layla and Gary reading the role of Derek with Red giving us the stage directions. Take it away. Lights up on the living room of an apartment. Derek, a heavily intoxicated man, noisily enters a dark living room wearing a party hat and carrying a bouquet of roses and a bottle of Strawberry Hill wine. Go away. I have a gun. Yeah, you do? And I'm not afraid to use it. But since when? Enters carrying a baseball bat. Derek? I thought you were spending the night at your brother's. Oh, that's not a gun. Aiming the bat at him. Bang, bang, you're dead. Whoa! Oh! <laughs> he plays doubles, which turns into him nearly falling. Uh. You better sit down. Uh, these are for you. Wilted roses and strawberry hill. Fancy. It was all I could find at the drugstore. Thanks, but why? What's going on? I was at the club, you know, with all the guys. Yay, bros. Getting married, right? Right. And there was this woman there, and she made me think of you. Okay. No, 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 not, it's not like that. I mean, she was pretty, but a little older, you know, but she had this tattoo. Eric Clapton's signature, right? And I thought, Layla was named after Layla. Well, she should be here and see this. She'd lo love it. But I miss Layla. Layla is so cool. I love... Uh, I love Layla. How sweet. This Eric Clapton tattoo, it didn't happen to be located on one of her breasts because your face is covered in stripper glitter. Oh. 
and my mother still works at the club. Lights fade. This week's honorable mentions for Propped include Marsha Parks, and the correct answer is, along with Rex McGregor's The Rose or the Bat. Readings of both of these plays can be heard by subscribing to our Patreon account. Check out ETC's Instagram and Facebook pages for next week's items. Lights Up is a podcast produced by the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga, a 501c3 nonprofit independent theatre company located in southeast Tennessee. Lights Up is hosted by Christy Gallo and Dana Colagiovanni. Sound by Eric Red Wyatt. Graphics by Jamie Goodnight and Casey Keelan as the associate producer. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, copied, or presented without the expressed written consent of the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga. The plays presented on this podcast are protected by all national and international copyright laws. If you are interested in producing any of the plays featured on Lights Up, contact us and we will get you in touch with the playwright. If you would like your play considered for a future episode or would like to be an actor or reader, please shoot us a message at lightsup at ensembletheaterofchattanooga.com. As a nonprofit, ETC relies on donations and the goodwill of patrons and supporters like you. If you would like to make a one-time donation to ETC, please visit our website for details. Or you can become a monthly subscriber on Patreon and get access to exclusive content. You can also support us by giving us a like and rating this podcast. Lights Up is hosted by Anchor, a Spotify company. The easiest way to make a podcast.